coming up next on the health hustle. So I was supposed to have like cans ready to go by like like digitally printed cans. Like this is a digitally printed can. Right now I'm labeling them because I was supposed to have these delivered free will in March, um, like a week before the event. So I didn't have the fucking label them. I can fill them. And then I would follow up and call and be like, hey guys, like let's 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 get the the invoice going, the contract, all that kind of stuff. And like, oh no, we're on vacation, or don't worry, we can overnight ship it and all that kind of stuff. And I remember like, guys, it's Friday. My event's on Wednesday. Where are my goddamn cans? Like, I need them. They're like, oh, we'll, we'll overnight them on Monday. Okay. Monday comes out. Guess what happens? Oh, production error. Oh, we can't we can't actually produce them until Wednesday. Like my event's on Wednesday. My event is on Wednesday. I need the like I need the cans, and I'm like I'm the most frustrated I've probably been in years, years. I like out of everything that's happened, like some like family like little arguments or like things in the field. That was the most angry I've been. I was like, my events on Wednesday. I reached out to you guys two months prior. We have everything lined up. Everything's approved, and they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like Wednesday, uh, we'll we'll have it like we'll have it ready to go. Um, okay, well then, can you ship it? the same day so I can get at least an hour, two hours before the event. I can make it work. They're like, no, 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 we can't like same day ship it. Like it takes it overnight. Um, but you can come pick it up if you want. I'm like, you're in St. Louis, Missouri. Like, wait, what do you mean? Pick it up. Like you, like my events at five 30 on a Wednesday, you want me to drive 13 hours at 12 PM when it's ready. It doesn't like, I just, I got furious, but that was a that was a learning of just like all right, no one cares about your business as much as you do. Incredible due diligence and like over, being over prepared for things like that. Um, because what happened for me was like I had the I was like, I have an event on Wednesday, and the biggest thing is the fact that I'm launching a can. I don't have any cans. What do I do? I called around, asked some people to help me out. I like a local canning guy like saved my ass and gave me like 200 cans, just blank cans. And then I went to a printing shop and said, Hey, here's the design. Can you print this off? And I got Lowe's labels came in. I ordered them Monday. I got the cans Tuesday. The labels came in Wednesday. So I'm literally, we have a team of like, we have people that are just there at the Savian Center helping out, just labeling the cans. So I'm like, I didn't get the, the labels until 12 o'clock. The party's at five. So we're just like, we have groups just like labeling cans. Some of them are on because they're sticky and all that kind of stuff. But it was just like, I, I was so excited about that. I was just excited to be like, I'll figure it out. Fuck this. I hate this. I'm mad. I'm furious. I'm going to figure it out. And I was like, okay, I like this. This is cool. I want to roll the punches. What's up, y'all? Corey here. And on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with my good buddy, Bill Murphy. For being a Canadian, he loves America and freedom more than most Americans. So it was fun to follow his journey from how he started out in Canada, climbing the corporate ladder, to now living here in Austin, Texas, and building a brand around the concept of drinking mindfully and getting shit done. Some of the things that we get into on this episode, though, are why it's important to get feedback, some hidden secrets about Bill that I found out via his Facebook page. That was fun. The lessons he learned from his parents' divorce, the dark side of people-pleasing, what a crab person is, how he got into the best business school in Canada, some sales lessons from his background from working from SAP, how to land brand deals, his escape to Mexico for six weeks, living with purpose, some big mistakes that he made early in his business, finding your community, and so much more. 
Also, I wanted to mention that after we finished this episode, we determined that there could be a part two based on a lot of this journey that we didn't get into and also some aspects about living on the farm that I briefly mentioned earlier in this episode that we actually didn't get a chance to get into. So if you do want a part two of this episode and you really enjoyed it, feel free to shoot me or him a DM asking for it. If we get enough requests, we'll for sure make it happen. One last thing, if you're a health or fitness professional and you're having difficulties getting leads, one of the most common reasons that I see this is not having a well-defined niche. If you go to the link in the description, I have a free three-step process that walks you through exactly how to get clarity on which niche is best suited for you and your business. Without further ado, let's go. William Patrick Murphy the third. The third. Welcome to the show. How you doing, brother? Feeling excited. Feeling ecstatic. And I've been seeing your journey for so long, and I'm just really happy to be a part of it. And I'm excited that we're repping the brands today. We Real are, power, baby. We are. Power. I'm gonna call you out real quick, though. Oh, no. You skipped the run today. I'm sure you were super busy with, mm-hmm. as the motto goes, getting shit done. But uh, yeah, just a little wanted to let you know. A little upset about that. Mm, that's interesting. Um, it was, oh. I, w- I would just say that to the audience out there that Corey is an impeccable runner. Uh, everyone knows it. He doesn't let anyone forget it. Um, but he's also intimidating and I feel scared as being a newbie to runner running that I don't want to go out there and just be lackluster. So I'm working on willpower, uh, to start off slow and kind of get to the big leagues, which is where Corey and the team's at. You know, that's good feedback, actually, because I don't want to be intimidating because if you had looked at me six months ago, I was the guy that hated running, thought it was the dumbest thing on the planet. Mm. And now it's just part of the routine. So uh, that's good feedback. I also say that just because I'm just using that as an excuse. (laughs) The real truth comes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But But on that note, though, I think um, I noticed this playing all kinds of sports and I've been getting some feedback or I've been noticing some feedback where it's like, you get so into a sport or an activity and ideally you want to spread that joy to the community, to other people. And then people do feel somewhat intimidated to get after it because, you know, sometimes when people go at things with full intensity and 120%, it shows in a good way, but also like, Oh yeah, it might be a little bit too much for me. So I didn't feel like that with you because I know you and I know like you're like, Bill, come on, let's go. Let's get you out there. I don't care if you can run. I mean, we ran in the farm Mm. and that was tough on my little leggies but we did it and you were tolerant of it and i appreciate that about you i just like bringing people along for the ride as somebody who used to hate running Mm. it's fun to pull other people into it and be like yo like i know for the first six months i did hate it i thought it was terrible and it wasn't fun but crazy yeah like all journeys though they start out with like it's confusing and it's hard and you're intimidated Mm. but then as you get better at it then it all of a sudden finds a place of joy but this isn't a show about me this is a show about you i'm glad you brought up the farm because we will get into that so that's a little foreshadowing Uh for anybody because (laughs) that was a fun adventure for us before we get to that for anybody that doesn't know you because you are admittedly uh kind of hard to find a lot of information on i do a fair bit of research (laughs) on all my guests and honestly, the only platform where I could find anything out about even any of your past was Facebook, which for the record, oh, fuck. I'm fairly, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> I, no bueno. I'm fairly convinced like people would steal your phone and write things on there because mm. some of the comments I was like, what <laughs> is, it was like every, it was, not even every day. It was like every hour. It was like the most odd comments. And I was like, I don't even know what that I was making. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, you were posting on your quote unquote status. If it was actually you, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I actually mm-hmm. couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. It almost felt like someone was stealing it. And then you were like stealing it back and commenting back yeah. on your own account. Mm-hmm. And there was mm-hmm. one in particular where you were mm-hmm. talking about your new Blackberry. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, how far back did we go? <laughs> Why did you do that? Oh my God. Uh, and, you're really in, and you're really into Farmsville. I did find that out. What? <laughs> Okay, so this man does his research. <laughs> I, I guess I kind of, I can't be surprised, but that's scary as fuck. Oh, Farmville, I already know some of the posts that it's entrenched in my mind permanently. It's like stapled in there, and I'm very embarrassed. <laughs> not, I haven't probably heard or thought uh, in 10 years about some of this stuff, and it probably shows in my face right now. Well, okay, so that's where I want to kind of start. Okay. So you obviously grew up just outside of Toronto, if I'm mistaken. More or less, yeah. And... Uh, you, who you are today is not at all who the man you were before. And so I'm curious as to like, who was I saw those posts on Facebook. I'm like, this guy, yeah. there's, there's, I don't recognize him. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Yeah. From a, from a health mentality, everything standpoint, full on identity management journey, everything like that. Tell us it all. Yeah. Okay. Farmville days. I don't even know where to start. So I think, I think a big summary of, of my life or last, I guess, 28 years is that I've gone through a lot of personal, uh, discovery and like, I have like, like very key phases of my life and a lot of inflection points in those key phases. And like thinking back to Farmville, right? Like I, if I just map out the timeline, it's, I was born in a city called Sarnia, Ontario. It's a border town. Um, I was right, right by Detroit. So it's about an hour North of Detroit, but on the, on the Port Huron side. And then I, my parents divorced, uh, when I was like three and then we, my mom remarried at eight and we moved to Georgetown, which is about 45 minutes outside of Toronto. So a lot of those Facebook posts were like, when I first moved to Georgetown, I went to my first school. I met new people for the first time. And when you moved to a new school, when you're grade three, grade four, like, Dude, it's ruthless out there, right? You gotta have, you gotta have already, like, you know, pretty solid spine. But I just remember, I think that I just, I'm looking at my personality and the development and those posts. It's like me just like yelling and scream, kicking and screaming. Basically, it was just like me being annoying, which I mean, me being obnoxious. Well, I mean, it's I kind of, I I'm always like that. But it's just I didn't. It was like my way of either getting attention or trying to figure out how to fit in. Mm. And just trying different things because maybe I wasn't getting the stimulation or I I was maybe getting make, made fun of a little bit. So I would kind of adjust. And no, obviously you're a kid. You don't know who the hell you are. You kind of just adapt your surroundings. That is scary. Like the Farmville post, I can just, man, I should delete that. But I guess now I'm in the entrepreneur space. So I'm not really worried about people finding out about my past totally. like this. Um, I did think about that, honestly, is because I know you worked for SAP for seven years. And I was like, man, if they would have scrolled back to some of his Facebook, I think they would have second guessed hiring this yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, I probably would have. My good thing they weren't as advanced, maybe, as yeah. some of the other like uh, Discovery guys. I don't know, because I don't know that seven years ago people were like perusing people's social medias. Now it's like the go to. Like if you meet somebody, it's like, what's their social media? It's like the instinct now. But Well, hold on a second. Okay, we're friends on Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. That's that. So I think I have. Oh, is it private? I think so. Oh, got I th- it. I think so because that's like 
dating wise and yeah. like meeting people it's like if i if i add you on facebook it's like you like i guess like the situation it's like you see it all mm -hmm. right i don't i don't go and scrape and delete all the stupid like random me just yelling in all caps about something stupid on facebook when that's i was like 10 years old. that's literally what it was there's like uh, it's just like, making stupid announcements like i i don't even know i ginger beer uh like <laughs> just yelling about it. it doesn't make any sense but uh yeah i have a private so I, yeah. I did my uh, my my uh, my protection. Can we there. circle back to you mentioned your parents got divorced and then mm. remarried? Do you feel like that has any impact on who you are today? Did that affect you at all? Yeah, um, in the best way possible. Honestly, I've I think my, so. My my dad's a, like a natural entrepreneur. Um, what does he do? He's uh, in the shipping industry, so he's a shipping agent. So he manages all the ships, and he has his own like shipping business. So he basically just facilitates um, all the ships coming in from Europe or Russia or even South America into the port of Sarnia. Um, and he, he just started in an agency and started his own. And he's always just loved the life, kind of like um, being able to build life that he wants to live, kind of low octane, um, and just doing what he wants all the time. And that's always been inspirational from like a like a lifestyle like perspective standpoint. It's like you don't need all of these things to have a great life or have a fulfilling life. It's what what are you doing that you generally love? And he was the guy that's like, I'm never gonna do something that I don't love. It's just never gonna happen. I don't care about the money. I don't care. I love this shit, and I'm gonna do it. Now, my parents divorced when I was three, which. The fact that they got together in the first place makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. It's like, how did you miss that? You know, uh, that's how I think about it all the time. And I have the conversation with my dad and my mom and my two sisters all the time. It's like, how did that happen? And we did. I, we had, we have all our own like psychoanalysis mapped out. But um, so my dad's like a little bit more on the free flowing side, on like one one side of the spectrum. So he's party animal, loves like abrasive or against the grain type of perspectives or like um, ways to go about business or anything in life, very resourceful. Um, and my mom on the, is on the side, very academic, very driven, um, a little bit materialistic, but like likes to have the nicer things and likes to constantly improve and build and grow. Um, and the, the, the commonality between the two of them, which Man, it's like I learned so much from, and I aspire to have that. Is the the common trait that they, both of those parents had on uh, with us was that they will do anything in their world and their life for their kids. Hmm. That like that was apparent to a fault, right? Like my sister and I probably take advantage of them more than we should. Um, but my dad, like my dad, like I don't have no way to get home. Like, can you drive three and a half hours from starting to Toronto, pick me up at the airport, and come back? He's like. I just want to spend as much time as I can with you. So yes, hundred percent. And it's always like, it's not, oh, let's have a conversation, the cost benefit analysis. It's always like, yes, of course. I, I, I'm not working 80 hours a week. I want to spend time with my kids so we can go have a nice road trip, catch up. My mom's the exact same way. And that was, I think for any parents, it's like having that level of love, um, for their kids. It's just, it, I think I've turned up better because of that. Um, again, sometimes to a fault because you learn to take advantage of it a little bit. That's the one common thing. But other than that, they were the most opposite people. So it's like it made sense that at three, they at my, when I was three years old, they separated. Um, but it had a really big impact on me because I got to see two different perspectives of like a lot of different situations, lifestyles, all that. My mom's like, you need to go to college. You need to get great grades. You need to go to a corporate job. You have benefits, 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 this, 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 this. And my dad's like, you're doing great. 
I just do what makes you happy all the time. And so I always had like those two kind of perspectives every time I was going. And I, I kind of err on the side of my mom a little bit more. My, my sister errs on my dad just from a personality standpoint and values. So that's kind of what got me into that corporate life. It's just like, all right, I got to get better, better, better. I want to do this, this, this. And my mom and I are similar in the sense that we compare ourselves a lot to other people. Hmm. So it's like, well, what are, what's everyone else doing? Right? Like these guys have good jobs. You guys make good money. I want to be like that. I want to be better. I want, like, how can I like adjust, calibrate and grow? And I think that's kind of what got me into that corporate life, which was, I mean, again, a fantastic seven years of my life. I never realized it till you just brought it up, honestly. And it's honestly one of the reasons I love podcasting is that I actually realized that I have a very similar de- uh, dynamic with my parents as well. My mom was always very go to, co- I mean, she's literally the reason I went to college. She literally like filled mm-hmm. out the paperwork and like, <laughs> yeah. submitted it for me. And my dad was on the other end of that spectrum of just kind of more or less doing what I guess his intuition was telling or what he mm. wanted to do or what mm. sounded fun. He's definitely more of the, like the classic, uh, um, uh, you only live one life mentality, yep. I guess you could say, yep. like send it, send I guess it. for yeah, lack yeah. of a better word. Uh, so I could totally see the same dynamic with my parents now that you mentioned this, but yeah, and it's, it's, it was interesting too, because I mean, we only had, we only had every two weeks with my dad growing up. So like my mom moved to Georgetown, Ontario, my dad was, and the rest of my family, like grandmas, uncles, all that, all in Sarnia. So I would only have every two weeks with my dad. So it's like, and he's, it's not, he's not an absent parent. He's very involved and he wants like to spend as much time as possible with kids. Like, yes, I'm going to go drive two and a half hours, pick you up, drive two and a half hours back. And that's what we do is like every two weeks I drive five hours back and forth from starting to Georgetown. Um, and you know, it's just good to spend time with them. But I think that was like a really good trait that they both shared. But I think because they were so opposite, it's like now I just know this whole spectrum. So I've, I, I use this in job interviews. Like I was like, what's my story? Like I'm going to apply for this internship or like this college pro painting job. Like, tell me about yourself. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, it starts with my parents and they're so opposite. So I was like, I, f- I was forced to be more open-minded about certain topics. And like every year I kind of iterate or I think about that a lot more. And it's so true because it's like, I, I get my dad's perspective. I get my mom's perspective. They're very opposite. So when I go meet people and approach certain situations, it's like, okay, let's, let's be a little more empathetic on how people think about certain things. Hmm. Um, and that's why I'm like a very open person. Like I'm driven on my mom's side, but it's like, all right, I'm willing to change my mind, willing to like try new things, even to fall and just, and just move and be open and kind of let the wind direct me. You're definitely one of the friendliest people I've ever met by far. I actually very distinctly remember, I don't know if it was the first time we met, but one of the early times we met, it was at Fressa. And it was for dinner. I don't know if you Mm, remember this or not. Yes, I do. Of course I do. We had dinner outside and... Uh, and you said something to me that I still think about to this day, and I don't even know if you remember it, but I was, we were having a similar like podcasty type conversation and I was just like doing the classic thing that I always do is I just like fucking dig yeah. into people, like trying to understand them. And I've noticed from you is like one of your superpowers is that you just make people feel good about themselves. Like mm. you see somebody and you get excited and people feel that. And like, it's very mm. genuine. And I was remember, and I was remember, I was like, like, why are you like that? Like, what, where does this come from? Mm. And I don't know if the story is still the same, but I remember you tell me something along the lines and you can totally correct me about like, there was somebody when you were younger that did the opposite and basically felt like they tore you down. And now you feel like you are trying to like do the opposite of that person totally. and like lift people up. I, I have friends like that. 
Yeah. I literally had friends that, and that, that's kind of like a part of the journey too, is like understanding who I am and, and like how I'm developing all that. But like, I would, like, I would move to a new city cause I moved when I was like eight years old. So it's really hard. Like I find an identity and like meet your friends. So I would just try to fit in. So like people that are cool or smart or active or athletic, I don't really care. I'm just trying to make friends and fit in. So I would kind of adjust my personality or like people please in a sense, like whatever you want to do, like let's, let's do it. And so I'm always like in tune to other people's emotions again to a fault because it, that stems from levels of insecurity that you're trying to fill by making everyone else happy. And then you don't end up doing things that you want to do. And then you're, you're surrounded by yourself by people that don't really align with your values. Exhibit A at this point where it's like, I have friends, like we go out, we play video games together. We do all this kind of stuff. And naturally I want to be successful. So when I would succeed at certain things, like getting into the best school, uh, the best commerce pro- like business program in Canada, I was like, I was ecstatic. I worked my ass off. I inflection point in high school when I went from playing video games all the time and, and then be like, actually, what do I want to do? I want to, I think I want to go into business. So it's business, business school. Oh shit. You need nineties. Uh, all right, let's grind. And then I would go in and stay in during lunch breaks and work with my other friends that, that were in the same boat. And I remember finally getting into the school and I was like the most excited I've ever been. Um, I was running around the library when I got the notification of like, you're in your Queens university in the business program. I'm like, what the fuck? And I was running around screaming and celebrating. And like, usually it's a time like my mom's happy. My dad's happy. My family's really happy. And then you tell some of your friends and they're like, you know, they're happy, but it's also just like, when you say it like one or two times, like you're really excited. Oh man, I'm really excited for this, my future, this it's like, all right, man, like you're kind of bragging. Like you're like, stop thinking you're so good or you're, you're, you're better than everyone else. It's like, yeah, I'll just, I finally am excited about something. I'm like, I, I this is like, this is going to change my entire life. Like I want to have people around me that'd be like, dude, do better. You can do even more. Mm. Right. And I didn't have, I didn't necessarily had that. And it was kind of like, it was like sucking energy out of me. Um, so I think ever since I had like had the realization that that was happening to me versus what was the default. Cause I didn't know any better. It was like, I never want people to feel like that ever again because it's like man like people have like aspirations and dreams it's like to cut someone down what to make yourself feel better because of like an insecurity that you have that you haven't worked on it's like come on like do better right so i never yeah that was a that was a big moment where i was like okay i never want people to feel like this again have you ever heard of the expression of crab people crab people yeah yeah yeah. no so it's it's what you're talking about so so crabs, uh, crab traps at the bottom of an ocean, they will, the way that they work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's doing hand motions. I have, I, have a, I have a crab dance that I like to do <laughs> when I get aggressive. So the way that the crab trap works is that there's a hole in the top and they climb up the cage and they fall into the cage. Well, if they wanted, they could swim back out of the crab trap. They don't though, because the other crabs in the crab trap will grab them and pull them back. Oh, down. I have heard of this. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's the same thing with people mm. is that sometimes we have people like that in our life where like when you're trying to climb the ladder to the next level, whatever that is, health, mm-hmm. business, relationships, oftentimes they will grab you and pull you down knowing that because the only other option is they got to come up with you and most people are scared too. Yep. And so they pull you back down. Mm-hmm. So. And I mean, I, I can't be on this total pole on this high horse. Like I've definitely have had emotions oh, like totally. that. All the, like all the time. It's like, I feel like man, like, cause I'm, I'm competitive and ambitious. And I, when I see someone that's incredibly successful or even at my age or whatever, it's like, Oh man, like I can do that. Or I want to do that. Or there's a little bit of envy in there. 
and like it started earlier and that was more like fuel for motivation but i also noticed like there's a lot of negative emotions in there and it's not like once you kind of overcome that and i'm still working on that like that's i'm never going to stop working on that but um man like your perspective on life and how you feel fulfillment wise happiness wise just completely changes totally yeah, it's uh, imposter syndrome. It's such a real <sighs> thing. And I'm constantly like, I'm still unveiling the onion of that. Yeah. I think the biggest one for me is like, it's usually money related, is that I remember the very first mm. time, somebody who does marketing, I remember the very first time I like started pitching offers to people to build websites. It was like for like, at most, it was like 250 bucks, 500 bucks. Mm. Now it's like, we're in thousands, right? Like way past that. And now I don't even think about it. But back then it was like, oh wow, like you're gonna pay me money to like do this for you? Like mm. that's crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. And it's just like the stepping stones of imposter syndrome that you're constantly crawling out of every mm. single day. So. And, you, and you match it and it's like, well, I mean, you're crawling out of it, but you're building and you're iterating and yeah, you're just growing. It's like, oh, this is what possible. What's next? And you keep going, you keep going. It's like, oh, I could have done all this, right? But everyone has their own journey. So it's like some people know it because of whether it's advisors, their parents, it's their whole family. There's a, a path already set out for them. Totally. Not a lot of people have those paths set out for them. So you just got to figure it out. So sometimes it takes a little longer, but it's like just making making those steps and like just iterating and going. I think executions oh. is massively underrated. Yeah, massively underrated. So it's just execute. Like that's what I've been doing in the last six months. Just like heads down, executing like diverting where I can, but man, like if like spending a year planning something, just like making everything perfect, like by the time, like you actually get to that point, maybe your desires, your purpose and your, 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 your identity has even developed or you've realized more as like, oh, fuck, I don't want to do this. But when you execute and you do something right, you're going and you're learning and you're like, all right, I can, I can basically plan for six months to do something or I can just go right now with a tentative plan and by that six-month point, you would already have something completely different than yep. if you had spent six months planning on that. 100%. For the better. Yep. Um, but yeah. No, I agree. I, I think that's probably one of the strongest skills, and I say skills very intentionally mm. over the past probably year or two, is that when I find, like, people always talk about, like, getting stuck or, like, not knowing what to do. I've slowly learned mm -hmm. the skill of just, like, just doing it. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. just sending the email, just registering mm -hmm. the event link, just whatever it is, of just, like, just do it. And then maybe there'll be a mistake, but I don't really care because at least I know I'll get some feedback and I'll learn from it, and then I can take the next step forward and the next step forward. Yeah, there's this very um, famous quote that I've, I think I've discovered. Um, I, don't know, maybe, I don't know what the date was. It was, like years centuries ago but i think it's um this guy named cory hibben <laughs> what's that quote are you familiar with it less thinking more doing less thinking more fucking doing <laughs> man holy shit i like did I you get one of those stickers did i get you one of those? damn right i All did right, when we're on the farm you just you almost slapped like 40 on my computer but uh but i just it, that's that's like in terms of just understanding who you are what you're what you're good at what you're bad at what i'm what i know that i'm working on is my intention, right? I'm kind of everywhere. I like to do a lot of things, like to break windows and walls and all that kind of stuff. And indecisive is really big, mm. right, uh, for me. Because, again, you know, this open-mindedness of, like, having two, like, I have one parent that goes all the way fucking there, and I have one parent that goes all the way fucking there. And I'm in the middle, like, which way am I going? And <laughs> I, I'm so indecisive to a fault, but it's like I'm just getting, I'm learning how to be better at it. It's like, just fucking pick one. Like, here's the date, just... You have to make a decision by this point. Do it. 
And if you fail, fine, whatever. Maybe you should have done something differently. But again, if you're spending another week thinking about it, you've lost incredible momentum mm -hmm. and you wouldn't have got as far as if you just picked a quick decision, whether it's like something simple as like, oh, what am I gonna wear today? Or of like, should I start a business? What should it be? Like just, if you just go, like that's one, honestly, that's one thing I've learned so much by starting, and we can go back and talk about how I got into it. But one thing is just, it. If you go 180% into something, all in. Just no, like, hey, I'm working a corporate job, doing this part-time, or I'm gonna do this little side hustle. If you just spend your time, you go 180% all in, that's all you care about and you love it, even if that thing like in the year doesn't happen or if it's just like something stupid, um, because you went all in on that thing, you're creating magic for yourself and the energy around you and people notice and people respect it and then you start building relationships and notoriety and credibility in what you're doing that all these other doors pop open. So maybe that path that you just started right now, it's rugged, right? You don't even have hiking shoes. You're barefoot, there's rocks everywhere, it's snowing, it's like there's like tornadoes everywhere, but you're just going and then you hit another path, it's a little bit, you know, maybe it's just a little bit more grass on it and then now you get running shoes or now you got cushion or whatever it is and then you find out, you actually end up finding the path um, that's better suited for what what you actually like, and because no one knows what they're doing, I don't know the hell I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing. Everything I'm doing, I'm doing what I love. Now there's some things I hate doing that I need to do, and that's also underrated. But uh, I think there's magic in going all in on something and then things happening for you. Because right now, like with willpower, I mean, it started off as free will, and that's a whole other thing too. But it's just like I just go, and then now it's like let's just say this tanks. Like that everything just drops. Like let's say there's a lawsuit, puts me in, in, in the water. I do a production run. I, I'm now a million dollars. I can't get it back. I, like now that I'm in the market, do it, like I've started something and doing something, all the relationships I build, I can, there's so many things that I want to do as well based off of the, the magnitude or the earthquake that I've created for myself, which I think is underrated. And I think people need to understand more. So it's like, Man, like if you're thinking on an idea for six months, just do it. Mm -hmm. Just do it, and then you'll find out in three months that you want to do something else or something similar or change it a little bit because you don't have to be concrete. No, and you never really are, and you're always trying to – you're shooting after a moving target every single day of your life. That's yep. one of the things I love and hate about business and marketing in general is that it's the infinite game of a moving target that you're always trying to hit. And it never ends. And that's okay because mm -hmm. there's nothing else I'd rather spend my time doing. And as the quote goes, as you were talking about that, I think about this all the time, is that the world makes room for passionate people. And so when you just pursue whatever you're mm. passionate about, like the world makes space for you. They're like, we, we just want more of this. Yeah. Want, want, want more excitement, want more energy into it versus like complacency. 100%. And it's a killer. Makes me think of Matt Johnson, actually, who we were just with and I just went on a run with. Is he Complacency? Still... <laughs> no, no, no. No, I meant more like the uh, the aspect of he just literally just started running towards the thing. Just going. Yeah. Just to, going. To the point of like fracturing his leg and injuries and not being able to run for the last 50 days or whatever it is. That's but, crazy. But And I was talking, when we were just chatting with him outside, I was like, that guy... Just crazy. Like, I, the first time I met him was on a volleyball court where we have, like, you know, we have this group that we go play with every Saturday. Um, and he just shows up. He's like, oh, yeah, man, I want to play some volleyball. And we start chatting. He's like, yeah, I just ran 100 miles, like, last week. I'm like, wait, what's the kilometer conversion? I'm like, fuck. <laughs> it's like a million kilometers. I was like, you ran a million kilometers, and he came back, and he's just, like, jumping all over the volleyball court. I mean, he's not 
he's athletic and he's but yeah. from a guy that doesn't have much volleyball skills and he's learning it, the guy was a force to be reckoned with even after running a million kilometers. I was impressed. I loved it. Even though he was picked last. I want to make sure that's on record. He was picked last. He was picked last. Was, um, pick last match intentionally, we did a whole analysis. <laughs> it had to happen. So um, we had to optimize for fun and uh, to win. So. All right. Let's continue this journey. Grew cool. up in, we'll say Toronto for that matter. Yep. Went to college at Queen's University. And then eventually found yourself at, did you say SAP? SAP? SAP. SAP. Okay. Uh, was that because like you were still embracing your motherly structure corporate job mm-hmm. mentality is that how that's i think i think it was definitely a part of that i think um because we, we share similar values in that sense but it was like basically i got into i mean i don't know how i did it but it happened uh one of the, be- the best business school in canada one of them and i'm surrounded by very successful affluent um k- kids and their parents and like they already have their paths made up like uh, I come from like lower middle class, right? And we're just like having a summer job of like college pro painters and like all that. That was that was great. I got full time hours. I was making money. I save up for college, and it's like I learned what a private school was for the first time, and that sometimes private schools are more expensive than universities. That was blew my mind, but it was also just like the the performance standard at that school was so much higher than anything I anticipated. Right, these people, yeah, given all the affluence, they're incredibly smart, incredibly resourceful, and like, and they have a path that's already like either laid out already for them, or they know what they want and they start at an early age. Like some of these kids started businesses at like ten years old, and like did like, and we're seeing this a lot now. But I was just like, starting a business at twelve. What was I doing at twelve? I was like figuring out my sexuality mm-hmm. and all that and playing video games and all that kind of stuff. It was like, wow, these guys are like incredibly impressive. So when I got there, I don't know what I don't know. Like my my thinking is I'm going back home for the summer and I'm gonna paint some I'm gonna paint some doors, make some cash. And people are like, well do you have an internship? I'm like what's an internship? What's <laughs> an internship like first year college. So first year June no, freshman. Freshman year. Um so freshman year of college, it's like yeah, no, I don't have an internship. I don't know what that is. Like, well, no, you work at an office and you get like marketing experience and do some whatever and they pay you a really good salary. I'm like, how the hell? Okay, yeah, sure. And some of these guys already have like jobs lined up, which is awesome. So I'm like, what do I have to do to get that? Right? Because getting an office job at that point for the experience I want to get from a business standpoint would be better for me painting. And I hated painting from the late manual labor of that. Oh my God. Aside note, that was my summer. So it was basically summer before college. I, had, I worked for college pro painters. And the deal was, if you go, you basically spend the first two months going door to door, door just knocking on doors, saying, hey, you want painting services? And that's in layman's terms, but like you're looking at the house and you're trying to say, hey, like, well, you can do this for that. And basically you're selling painting services. And if you do a good job and you generate enough leads on that, then you'll be lucky enough to get a full-time painting job that summer. Mm. Cause that's like, that's not an hourly, like you get paid per lead. It's pretty, it's commission essentially. So I was like, I love that. Just like knocking on doors. I have to do it. Just meeting people. People are like, shut the fuck up. Get like, and that hurts. Like the rejection at that point, like that's a sales guy, sure. But like, I'm just a nice guy. I just wanna meet people, right? Um, but I met some really awesome people would come in and just like have dinner with them sometimes. Like it's like pasta, they give me some waters. And that was the fun part of the job. I did well at that. 
and then I, had, I got the paint for the rest of the summer, and it sucked. Like we got it. Just I hate. It was like it's it's Canada, so it's not like Austin heat, but it was like again oh, fucking corrosion. So it was like thirty two degrees Celsius, which is probably like five nine. It's like I don't know, eighty degrees or something like that, um, and or maybe ninety. And like there was this estate or this farmer ranch, kind of like the one that we were on, yeah. and it had like a two mile fence all around the perimeter and we had to paint the entire thing and i was with a girl one of my girl best friends at the time and it was megan lover uh we had to paint the entire thing for like weeks and you don't just paint something it's not like you're an artist like this is cool and this is fine it's like that's like 10 percent of the job the other 90 percent is like prepping like you're scraping the fucking fence and it's like 20 30 years old you're scraping the, like three miles of this fence and then after you scrape it which hurts and then you have to sand it. I hate, like, that's my, like, taking a, a cardboard box filled with stuff and pushing against, like, gravel or, like, a basement floor is the worst feeling. It's, like, nails on a chalkboard pales in comparison to that for me. And that's what we had to do for, like, three miles. So it's, like, three miles of, or let's say two miles of scraping, two miles of sanding. Then you got to prime it with a priming coat. And then you got to do a first layer. And then you got to do a second layer. So if we do the math, that's basically, so... Scraping, sanding, priming, one, two, that's five. Five times two miles, that's like 10 miles of fence work. Eh, I hated it. I made, good money. I made fine money. But um, anyway, that's, that was that job. I hated it. So I didn't want to do that. But I learned that like the sales aspect, things I really, really liked. Fast forward to college. Hold on, pause. What was it about sales that you love? Or what uh, is it about? It was, it was the people. It was less like, hey, I can convince someone to do something. It was, I get to interact with a variety of different personalities and like adjust mm. like how I communicate um, a little bit to make them, uh, to have a pleasant conversation. Where did you learn your communication skills? I'd say both my mom and my dad. They're both good communicators? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. My dad, my dad's like a national sales guy. Um, oh, damn. Yeah. Okay. And like just like the Is both. pretty Gregor Gregorious? Yeah. Pretty outgoing, party, Very work hard, so. play hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. He, okay. he came to visit. Austin in uh, in March. Oh wait, I met him. I think he did. He was at Sapien Center, right, for your willpower release party or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pre-launch party. Pre-launch for the former name of Willpower. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he was there and came with like just came with. He was a force to be reckoned with. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so fun. Came with the vibes. Came with the vibes. Like I, like a lot of times with and with, the drugs. No. Well, with, 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 my, with my dad, it's like <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> we can get into that. Um, yeah, we try we try little substances that weekend. It was really cool, actually. Um, highly recommend doing drugs with your parents. Yeah, um, I'm, trying get, I'm, I'm trying to get I'm trying to get my mom on. Oh, uh, this is an explicit episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about the sex very soon too. Uh, not with the parents. Not with the parents. Um, well, actually, uh, there's this one time. No, um, that's that's another conversation. But um, yeah, I think. I think doing drugs with parents is cool. We can, we can talk about that. But where were we at? We were going to sales. So sales. Your, your dad's good at sales. You're good they're at both sales. Like they're, they're very decided. extroverted social yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, beings. Like which, they, they love being social. Which I think led you to your job at SAP. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Like That's okay. how I like. So going back to that. So being in college, um, being surrounded by all these like go-getters. Like the performance is so high. Like, I'm stepping up. I'm like, holy shit. These are really smart people. I impost, full on imposter syndrome. Like I don't fit in here. Hmm. I don't have money. I don't have like this well thought out path. I'm just kind of like a, 
I just want everyone to get along, kind of like people pleasing, still figuring out my own confidence. And that, honestly, going to that school that time did not help my confidence at all. Well, no, it didn't. Because I'm like, and I, there's the whole thing about being a big fish in a small pond, mm-hmm. small fish mm-hmm. in an ocean. I was totally the, the small fish in the ocean. I was like, but I was beady eyed. I was like, I was incredibly excited because I'm like, I can see my future. This is really great. But in terms of like building confidence, it was a lot tougher because. Again, you're surrounded by like the brightest, smartest guys, most amb- uh, people, ambitious, all that kind of stuff. So I was always like, I want to catch up. Or like, I want to, like, yeah, I, I want to job at Goldman Sachs. I want to be a manager. I want to go into tech, right? Because there's this level of um, prestige and status associated with that. And what comes with that is the fi- financial incentives, getting paid really well, um, and then building actually a career with skills and, and, and a succession plan and all that. Um, so I kind of got roped into that in a good way uh, because it's who I was at the time, right? So I'm like, I'm going to get a dope-ass job. I'm going to have this internship. I'm going to reach out to like 30 different people, like 30 different brands or companies on LinkedIn. So that's why I started. I'm like, okay, I got to get it. I, I got my first internship. Because when you're a first year, like you can't, you don't have any experience. So getting like these really awesome internships, like you got to beat the second, third, and fourth year kids. So I got a, my mom happened to know someone that worked in HR, thank the Lord, um, and had an interview and just worked there. It was like a pet food company called Royal Canin. It's not canine, it's French. It's Royal Canin, it's a pet food company. They do, they do vet food. Do you speak French? Je parle is that because you grew up in Toronto? That's because my mom put me to French school. <laughs> French Canadians? Yeah, that was that was actually the other thing. Like, my mom forced me, and, I, and I'm really happy that she did, um, in a French school. So it was all French. So you know English, French, and Spanish? No, Spanish, yeah. Any other languages that we don't know about? Uh, I know, like, one... Pig uh, Latin? I, I don't know peg... I know egg Latin. I don't know that one. Basically, it's just you take all the E's and you add G-G. You lie. Okay, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my buddy in high school is uh, fluent in that. But, um, <laughs> like, so I, I know, like, one song in Croatian. What? Because my mom's Croatian. Oh, okay. And my grandma's, like, was fluent. So I know, like, one or two songs that I can just sing. So anytime I meet someone that's, like, of, like, East, Eastern European, Slovakia, Slovenia, Serbia, I just sing that song. And they're like, oh! oh! I love you! You know our language! <laughs> and I'm like, yo, she had no people, which... It should mean just I need a beer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. What's maybe the best piece of advice you could give to somebody that doesn't really understand sales or no sales or wants to get better at it? Um, I think it's it's coming from uh, it's really twofold. I think the, there's a common misconception of sales, which is, and it benefits me. This misconception benefits me. It's you don't have to be crazy outgoing, salesy, like crazy friendly to be a good salesperson. It helps, but like that's not an indicator of what makes someone good at sales. Um, I kind of got by with that, which is great. It's like, yeah, but you know, happy go lucky guy. Like, I'm social. I can kind of get people. But like, what's what's really underrated with sales is like really coming from a needs assessment and being value based. So it's like, at, like the best salespeople that I know aren't these crazy extroverted. They're just they're organized. They're very disciplined in their craft, and they really focus on um, identifying the needs of whoever their customer is, and then immediately providing value. So asking the right questions, understanding where the problem lies, and then figuring out, like, understanding the impact of that problem to that person, and then offering value at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. Because, like, if you're a sales guy and you're talking 85% of the time, you're not a good sales guy. 
like this doesn't like what do you learn from that hey this pen's awesome this is great that's like do you need a fucking pen no i hate pens i'm allergic to the ink right i don't i don't need this i don't care how good the pen is um and uh i think that that's a little bit underrated from a sales a standpoint but i think there's a lot of people i talk to because I, I was in sales at sap for a while and a lot there's some misconception because people are like oh i can't get into sales like, i'm not very personable or, or i'm not very i'm not crazy extroverted i'm like you don't need to do that so like there's people that are reluctant to get into sales because they think it's predominantly that oriented. Um, so I, th I think that's one key component, but it really just comes down to asking the right questions, understanding where the real problem lies and literally working with them on feeling that, figuring out the problem. And that's why I love sales so much is because like, I'm like, guys, I'm a problem solver. I, I want to help. I literally want to help you. If you don't want a guitar, I'm not going to sell you a guitar, but if you have a problem, how the fuck can I help you? Hopefully I have this, the, the, the skills or the tools, the products, or the network to be able to help you because at the end of the day like you can't you can't sell everything to everyone and we do this a lot in sales it's actually that's another piece that's really important to sales qualification that's when i learned at sap the most is that i would try to sell everything to everyone it's like no let's let's sell e-commerce software let's do that and it's like you go through the qualification process and under basically understanding if they're a ready buyer mm. right and it's like you can go spend six months in an engagement with someone when you're selling like you know millions of dollars of software and at the end of the day, they don't buy because they don't have budget. They really don't have a need. They were just curious. Um, or they want like they like the attention because you took them out for free dinners and all that kind of stuff. So like understanding when to fire your prospect is incredibly important because it saves you time and um, it saves you time yourself and the client as well. Hmm. And you can put it on people that actually need, actually have a problem that you can help to solve. That's good advice. I remember recently learning about whoever has the best whoever has the the most interest in mind of that person wins mm. that essentially that negotiation. So if the prospect has their own best interest in mind, they're going to win that negotiation. However, if the salesperson has their best interest in mind, they're going to win that negotiation. So yes. it's really just like whoever actually genuinely cares about yes. that person and the problem the most yep. will win that conversation mm -hmm. essentially. And, and it's, it's fascinating. Well, that's the most fun thing about sales, right? It's like, let's, you have, is, is there, is the, is the reason why you don't want to move further in this sales cycle or this like um, concession that you're you're requesting is that what, what's that what's that coming from? Oh, it's too expensive. But why is it too expensive? Like, where does that come from? And you start digging. It's like, well, because we talked to these other vendors, or because like we're we did a, a business case internally, and we actually only think that these two value drivers will be important. It's like, okay, well, let's talk about that because those two are important. But we also have these six here, and then you start talking, you start getting nitty gritty, and then it's like. Uh, okay, now I get it. I see these five values. Then you go back up, then you go back up, and it's like, okay, the price makes sense now. So it's like, what's the objection? And like, where is that stemming from? Do you use a lot of that now with willpower in regards of like getting some of your brand deals and stuff? Do you still feel like you use some of the skills from the sales? Yeah, actually, well, now that I'm doing more like B2B stuff, it's, I, I want a lot of things, right? I like, I want all these partnerships and all that kind of stuff because I just think at a very simple level, it's cool. But it's like, Every time I'm thinking, all right, why would well, why would Bison Coolers want to give me some canned coolers? Like, why would this partner want to be part of my event? Why would you want to Yeah, what's do, in it for them? What's in it for them? For it's sure. like, I, I want to make it so it's impossible for you to say no. Totally. It's like, 
oh, is this just because, I don't know, like it's like a little bit exposure? Like, no, like you're going to be surrounded by these people. You're going to have this exposure. You're going to get this output and this deliverable. It's literally a no-brainer and it's incredibly, it's heavily discounted. And I think that's what is really exciting about now doing things with willpower on the B2B side, just like from events and different partnerships is like, like I know how to do this. And it's, and it's cool because I can actually use my brand as a way to give a lot of value to all these companies versus just like, just like, okay, I have a really cool product. It's, you know, it's helps people be more mindful of the drinking and it's got mezcal in it. It's got some electrolytes. Like it's a really great product. It's like, yeah, it's great for the consumer. We can, we can talk about the value of that, but it's like at the end of the day, there's, there's community and then there's other partnerships and then there's exposure. So it's like, how do you convey that um, in a value added way? And I love that. I love, love, love that. And, and then the partners that really kind of lean in a little bit, they love it too. And like building like those stronger partnerships, like that's, I'm a partnerships guy. Totally. Like sales guy. Yeah, sure. But like, I don't get off on me selling. I mean, I'm me selling this. I don't get off on that. I, I need to because I'm building a business right now on this, but really the whole idea of willpower is like building the mindful drinking movement. Mm-hmm. So how do I get, how do I build partnerships with other people, brands, influencers, whatever it is to help drive that mission. Um, that's what I'm most excited about. So a lot of times like, how do I beat the competition? It's like, no, I don't really care about being the competition. I care about, I care, I care about the overall industry and everyone helping each other out. The whole idea of like, Oh, that, that product sucks. Cause mine's better. I don't like that. I hate it actually. Like, I mean, I mean you see this every time I have a willpower event, Willpower, mescal fresco, drink my able to get shit done. But anytime I have a willpower event, it's like the focus isn't even on willpower, right? Like you remember my first volleyball event. The first volleyball event, we had 10, 20 vendors there. We have DJ, uh, we have food, all this kind of stuff. And like the willpower setup was the, like, we didn't even have that because I was focused on literally everyone else's setup. We had tequila sodas. We had beers. We had like mead we had tequila for god's sakes like we had my classic competitors on the shelf and i was almost promoting them a little bit more than i was promoting my own fucking brand mm-hmm. i mean i got i got i got to promote my brand that just it has to happen but the the realization was like that's what i care about it's like how do i give the best possible experience to the community that i'm trying to create or address and by me being like my be like how narcissistic is it to say that, hey, my product's the best product in the world and you should only drink mine? It's like, no. Like, I want to give you everything that you you could have to have the best experience because that's what I want. I like variety. I like trying different things. Um, so at the end of the day, it's like, that's why I really care about partnerships and then like the customer experience. And that's kind of part of like my purpose a little bit, actually. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a lot more long-term thinking uh, when you can partner with other people and represent what they're doing as well because Mm. i think people underestimate the classic like business quote i think it was jim Rohn that said it but something along the lines of like you can have everything you want by helping other people get what they want i think that's so true Mm. and i think that's a lot of what you've been doing with these events is like helping promote other people knowing long term Mm. it's just going to come back to you anyways Mm. how did you end up in texas then how did that even yeah because at first it was Mexico and then it was Texas. Like, what happened there? So, yeah, I guess it kind of continues from, like, that the SAP thing. So, basically, from college, I just grinded my ass and I tried to get different internships. And I actually, like, got one at SAP. So, just from reaching out to people on LinkedIn. Actually, this is a cool aside story. 
um, back in a third year, I was like, I want to have the internship of the lifetime. I'm going to reach out to all my favorite brands. So Spotify, uh, Salesforce, I want to get enterprise software, Salesforce, Oracle, Adidas, uh, I think maybe Apple, um, a bunch of other companies. And I met this one girl and it was my, I think it was my third year frosh week. So a week or rush week in the U S so the first week of, of college mm. semester. And I remember like having a 45 minute call while everyone's like boozing and partying all that kind of stuff with this girl that was in this role that I wanted to have in a couple of years. And she took the time cause she's a former alumni. She reacted to my message. I mean, a 45 minute call of like, all right, like you're awesome. Tell me literally everything about you. I had some questions lined up, your experience here, how you got into this and just fell in love with one, her and like her path. And I'm like, I, I want, I want to do this. And that woman helped me for like nine months, get me a job at SAP. Like basically we're going to get you an internship. Like we're, let's work on it. Let's keep you in touch. And then we applied to a couple of postings. Then they got shut down and then she introduced me a couple of folks. And then by the time like an internship actually popped up, she's like, all right, I know the perfect guy for this. His name is Bill. He just done Bill Murphy does all this kind of stuff. You know, bright kid. He's got a good future ahead of him. Um, really pumped my tires. <laughs> I needed that. Um, and I got a job and then the rest was history. And I got an internship and I worked part time um, at the end of that, at my, my final year, and then started full time and did that for basically seven years. And in between that, there was like consulting, uh, value consulting, then sales, and then a little bit of partnerships. But the pandemic kind of happened right when I was in the sales side. So it was 2020. I was living in Toronto with one of my best mates, uh, Andrew Knapatsky. Love him. I actually miss him a lot. Um, but we're living together and, you know, pandemic sucked, right? Like in Toronto was, there was like the worst place in the world next to like New Zealand or something like that from regulation standpoint, not from like deaths and all that, but it was just like, it was really shut down and the entire value of Toronto diminishes. It evaporates really, um, when everything shut down. So Andrews, he was, he got married actually in the pandemic, which was, uh, he was like a very pragmatic couple. Um, and they just got married and. So his wife was gonna come move in. And it was like, all right, it's time for me to get my own place. Like, well, what am I looking at? $2,000 and finally have my own place by myself. What else can I do with that $2,000 a month? There's no reason for me to be in Toronto. There's none. Just because I have to, because someone says that you should stay at home in Toronto because of the pandemic and you should stay indoors. I'm like, no, I'm doing a lot. And I was like, what if I spent $2,000 in Calgary? And then, so I did that. So I moved to Calgary for a month and then I spent, a month in Vancouver and I spent a month in Montreal just back to back a month like short term Airbnbs and I was like huh I think it's time to spread my wings a little bit maybe venture down south like a little snowbird so my plan was to go down to Mexico just for like six weeks because I want to go work out I don't want to have these restrictions I want to go party a little bit I want to go to the beach I want to go to nice dinners and I kind of want to start fresh I want to be by myself I want to be in a place where I don't fucking know a single soul and just like figure out what I can do with that. Then I had a bunch of friends that were like, that's sick, and I wanna come too. And then um, we ended up like getting a house together uh, for six weeks, and it was just an absolute blast for six six weeks. Um, that so much so that we went home for Christmas, and we're like, yep, we're gonna come back. And like, I'm working remotely. Everything's shut down in Canada, so I can't meet with clients in person. And I'm still working 80 hours a week. Like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a worker. I'm not just gonna slack off and not do anything because I'm in a nice place. Um, and then I came back for like six, seven months and it was, it was just, a, it, was, it was basically a dream for seven months. But in that seven months, like you become, this is like an interesting dichotomy of like the corporate experience 
and then the personal experience. And what I mean by that is in the corporate life, like some of my best friends were my coworkers. Right, so I would hang with my coworkers all the time. I would meet with them, happy hours, and dinners, and parties, and all that kind of stuff. There was a really big culture in SAP and in Canada, and with our group, and like I was kind of helping to run that. Like I was, I was setting the parties. I was given a budget to like throw these big events with SAP, and we, it would be a blast. When that budget evaporates, you can't do anything in person. It's like, okay, well, who are you going to hang out with? Can't really hang out with your coworkers because the office is closed. You don't meet up. People are living in different places. So now you're focusing and you're hanging out with more of your friends. So now I was plan I was hanging out and traveling around Mexico with my friends. Some of them were coworkers, but not they're my friends first. Um, and and you start to kind of get a little separation from the hustle and bustle of the corporate life. You're spent I'm spending significantly more of my time leisurely with my actual fr- like my friends' friends. Versus like being incredibly connected with the culture of work as all the culture of the office space is, is online is virtual and I don't get engaged. I need, I need physical stimulation, I'm a physical person. Um, so I, I think by, I haven't really thought about it that much, but now talking through it, I think that's one of the reasons why it made it easier for me to think of like looking elsewhere, like maybe corporate's not it. Cause I was disconnected from the culture and a lot of times the golden handcuffs keep you in the people keep you in and the culture keeps you in. And it, there's no really ranking of that a lot of the times. So when you eliminate the culture and the coworkers, I was like, there was a couple chains. There was like a three balls and chain on my leg and two of them were like, they're gone. I was there broken. I was like, ah, oh, I'm a little light. I can kind of, kind of move a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what opened the door to like my existential crisis, which is like, what the fuck do I want to do with my life? I'm working eight hours a week right now for this big uh, German software company, like what like what if I could do that doing my own thing? And then thus I embarked on like a journey of like what would that look like? And then once I found it, I basically found my purpose. All right, I, I, I was a little bit more aware of it, which is like, what do I get off on? And what I determined was I get off of um, creating experiences for people um, and helping people or working with people to become the best version of themselves. Because that's what I like to do. I like experiences. And I like like helping, like being better myself. And I want to do that with people. Like, how can I do that? Like, what's the best way of creating experiences? And like, well, I love to drink. I love, like, I was like, well, alcohol is all about experiences. Like, you think of non-alcoholic stuff, like energy drinks, but like the Tito's and the Molson's and the Bud's and like all these other like marquee brands, like that's a whole thing. It's partying, experience, fun, concerts, like festivals, all that. I was like, I want to do those experiences. I, I want to create that. But I was also on a health and wellness journey. So it was like, how do I do that? By also improving people's health. So it's like less focused really on the alcohol, the drugs or filling that void. And that's where I was like, well, how do I create a really healthy beverage that people can like have fun and not and not deal with the repercussions, like have their cake and eat it too? Because I'm very much that type of person. How can I hack this system? How can I life hack? How can I do something? How can I do two things when people say like, you can't do that, man. Like you have to drink a lot and you have to be hungover. Like, what if I don't have to do that? Right? It's like, but you can't do that. And people don't do that. I'm like, I can do it. I was like, how do I create a product like that? And that's been this journey. Um, and how that, and that's really mezcal was in Mex- is in Mexico. That's that's where I found out about it. It was a fast growing spirit. It's the healthiest spirit that you can put in your body. Um, so that's why we chose 
uh, I chose mezcal to put in the mezcal fresca. It's just, it's the healthiest, cleanest you can put in your body. It's still bad for you. Alcohol is bad for you. It's poison. But like, what's the best, the lowest, the lesser of the evils? Mezcal, tequila, and like pure tequila. So that's how, that's how I got into that. Um, and then I was like, well, what do I do with this? Like, where do I position it? What's the branding? Like, what do I, where do I start? And this is like, the, there's three key individuals. There's like, there's four, really. So the first one is the Ursel brothers. So Graydon and Jordan Ursel, they're my best buddies in, I went to college with. Jordan was an engineer. Uh, Grady was in business school with me. Um, but they're brothers and they've always done, like they started their own agency right out of school. Whereas every single other person, including myself, consulting, investment banking, like working for big CBG companies in the marketing division and doing this, like going big corporate, they're like, no, we're doing this. Well, just, we're not working for the man. It's not our style. They just knew who they were. And it was always admirable. I was like, I'm not there yet. I don't know. I'm, I'm still figuring things out. I want to go this path. I want to make some money and like status and all that kind of stuff. They're always like the consistent like thread of like, this is, this is entrepreneurship. And I've always admired that. Then, so I've always been following them and excited like during like Mexico and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, tell me more of the business. Like learn, I'm like, oh, this is exciting. Like the ebbs and the flows. Like we just fucked up this month. We just had the best month ever. We have no idea what we're doing. We might fold. We might go bank. Like all of those things I'm seeing and I'm like getting excited about it. Um, so I've always had those guys and I've always admired them and appreciate them. And uh, I'm really happy I have those guys in my life because that they've been, they've been the biggest inspiration. So that helped like get me into it. Then there's three key individuals that I've always looked up to, or I've recently started looking up to. And that's just when I started listening to more podcasts on entrepreneurship. Honestly, the biggest one was my first million, like that giveaway, like Sam Power, Sean Perry. Like I, I was, I'm playing basketball in like my hometown neighborhood, kind of like during the pandemic, shooting around, listening to podcasts, just getting hyped up about the people that they interviewed. Just like, fuck, that's cool. Like, like, oh, vending machines. This guy made $2 million buying a bunch. Like that's, I can do that. And it's like, it become a thing of like, well, that's an easy way to make money. Why am I doing this corporate side when I know I can probably just make a lot of money doing something else that's cool that I can own and do my own thing. Um, but then I started listening to all these podcasts and I'm like, they interviewed um, Cody Sanchez for one. And I just, I fell in love with that podcast. And Cody was talking about buying businesses. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And I loved it. Um, and then Justin Maris on the podcast and like, talking about his journey and how he met Sam and going through like all the companies that he started from like perfect keto, um, kettle on fire. And then like growing it from like a really small, like bone broth company where they just, just like, Oh, we want to start a cool health based business. And they saw kettle like bone broth was a trending item. And they just went all in on it. And they, now it's like a $700 million brand. Fucking crazy. And I was like, this, this is awesome. I was like, I like this. And he has some really good content that he was posting and he had a really good journey. Um, and then I noticed that obviously Sam Parr and Sean Perry, and then I noticed that Cody Sanchez was hosting a conference in Austin. Um, it was called Uncon and it was basically just like, let's talk about financial freedom and like buying small businesses or starting your own businesses or just like repurposing your money. We're going to have a bunch of different you know, speakers and all that. And of those speakers, you had Sam Parr as well as Justin Maris. So I'm like, all right, there's this conference in Austin with basically three of these like recent business idols that I've been following. I'm fucking going. And this was at a transitory period. I had a lot of time. I was transitioning to a new role at SAP. So I, and I closed all my deals for the year. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to Austin. 
And I'm like, what the fuck is in Austin? Why is Austin coming up? And I started doing research, and it's like, fastest growing city in the U.S. And, oh, Justin Maris lives there, and Cody Sanchez lives there, Sam Parley's there, these people live here, this person, Joe Rogan, all that. I'm like, Texas? Really? Like, I'm from Canada. Like, no one gives a fuck about Texas and Canada, right? Unless they're from, like, the boonies in, like, Alberta or something like that. You're like, yeah, fucking America, Texas, and which is what I am now, actually. But I'm just like, what's the, like, the, what we care about, at least coming out of school, is New York and Silicon Valley and and Toronto, really, and then Miami for, like, vacation, right? But those are the major hubs because that's where the industry and, and the, the corporate jobs lie. So I said, fuck, I'm going to go out and, like, uh, and, like, check it out. And I went to this conference. I met all these guys, got so incredibly inspired, and I was like, I, fuck, I, I, need, I need to be surrounded by entrepreneurs. I, if I'm going to do something, I got to be surrounded by these types of people versus like moving to New York and being surrounded by like incredibly smart folks, but like making a lot of money and spending a lot of money, right? I just be roped back into it because I'm also influenced by my surroundings. So, and at the same time, like I was there for two weeks. So I kind of got a bunch of my friends together like one of the weekends after the conference all my favorite people in the fucking world. Like, I got my friend from Calgary to fly in, one guy from Miami, Chicago to fly in, um, LA, Toronto. And we just had like one of the most fun weekends. Now, I'll preface, I'll preface it by saying it was one of the most fun weekends. Like, I've had, like, I was in Mexico for six, seven months, but getting my favorite people together from different social groups, from SAP, from university, from after graduation, all that kind of stuff. One weekend, had the time of my fucking life. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this is the place. I'm, I'm committing. And I didn't know where I was, my next step was. Like, I had no place in the world I wanted to live. I did Mexico. I was thinking maybe Colombia. But I was like, what really makes sense? I'm like, I'm going to Austin. And then I went to Colombia for a month, visit my buddy Grade. And then I moved in and haven't looked back since. That's my very long-winded way of saying of I went from Mexico to Austin. <laughs> I want to really quickly tap, and maybe there isn't anything specific from your conference that you went to, but it sounds like that was a pretty pivotal moment for you in terms of ultimately getting you here in Austin. Was it just the energy of it? Was it something that you learned? Was it What did you pull away from that conference? What I pulled away was I was at the inflection point of like, I don't really know what's next. I have no idea what's next. I I. I've never been at a point almost that I don't know my next step. Mm. Like, here's what I'm doing. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get a promotion. I'm going to go to this job. I'm going to be, I'm going to go to this startup. I'm going to do this. Like I had applied it to my 10 year plan, my five year plan, and it didn't involve any of this shit. So I go there and I'm just, I'm talking to people that never talked to before. That, that was the biggest thing. All the people I talked to all the time is investment making. Like I raised $45 million to the startup. I did this. Like, it's very like, it's, it's, it's a very different life. Whereas like these people like, no, 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 I'm starting something that's boring. Like, it's boring, but I make a fuck ton of money. I'm like, that, I don't know about that. You don't really hear about those stories of someone that owns, like, 23 laundromats and makes $50 million a year or whatever. I don't know what the conversion is, but it's like there's a lot of those, and we basically, like, we give way too much effort or we over-glamorize, over like, the massive companies and the massive startups, which is a very small percentage, incredibly small percentage of, like, where are like where like where people work essentially so it's like holy shit like this is this like people are incredibly happy they're fulfilled they have a family they're making a lot of money like and it's not slaving away at a corporate job it's like you run your own business but it's like something that you personally feel passionate about not that 
not that you feel like you need to get a certain level of status or prestige. Mm -hmm. And that was a big influence for me. It was like, I don't need this prestige anymore. I'm kind of learning more about who I am, what I want, and this doesn't matter. And Mexico helped me realize that actually. Yeah, I often think about the analogy of the difference between swimming upstream versus swimming downstream. Mm. I feel like living back in Minnesota, because I'm also a northerner, is that nothing, no offense to any of the people that I was around, but it felt like everything I was trying to pursue always felt like I was swimming upstream. There was always resistance, Mm. whether it was like the people or the mentalities or the things I wanted to do versus here, it feels very downstream. It's like even something as basic Dude, as like yeah. going on a run or mm-hmm. like something as silly. I literally thought about this. Uh, Michaela, my girlfriend and I were up in Dallas this last weekend and visiting some of her friends. And one of her chiropractic friends has a sauna in their office. And I was talking to the guy, one of the other guys that owns the clinic. And I was like, do you guys ever like think about getting a cold plunge as well? And he's like, yeah, man, honestly, I would do it just for selfish reasons. He's like, but li- like literally there's like no market for it here. And I was like. Are there no like sauna and cold plunge like centers around here? He's like, no, like not at all. Dallas. Dallas. <clears throat> and I was like, moments like that, I'm reminded of the bubble that we're in. Massive. Right? Mm-hmm. And the majority of, I would say, just people, for sure America in general, don't uh-huh. think like a lot of people here. Something. Another example of this was a friend of uh, my girlfriend's. We were hanging out with them, and she was making this comment about like super excited about like having the days off for the holidays and the clinic being closed. And like in my mind, I was like, I actually haven't even had that thought process because like I like work and I and I and I want to do the things. I don't. I'm not like yeah. looking forward to my days off. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I'm looking forward yeah. to doing my work. Mm-hmm. So it's just a very different mentality, right? And I'm always mm-hmm. reminded of that. Of like, man, the people I'm around, it feels downstream. Yeah. Like I don't feel like I'm swimming upstream of what I'm trying to do. Yeah, because yeah, you're surrounding yourself with people that are on the same wave, like, wavelength as you. It's like, that's why I'm with Austin. It's like, I want to be surrounded by people that are living, breathing, and hanging out in an area that I want to be in. Mm-hmm. I don't long, I thought I did. I didn't, it wasn't a me thing. It was just like, that's the path. It's like, oh, you got to be a VP, and you got to go with this, and you, you, you be political through the, the corporate system. I'm like, no, no, I want to go somewhere where a bunch of people are doing really cool shit, and I want to get there. And then I surround myself with those people, and then things start happening and then I feel more fulfilled and it's exactly how you're saying I'm like swimming downstream it's yeah. a lot easier yeah sometimes you gotta climb on that rock maybe a mile five miles like a fuck ton of elevation and then it's just like it's smooth sailing all the way back down to the bottom and then there's a massive boulder that you get crushed on and then you gotta repair yourself a little bit and then you gotta walk another five ten miles maybe there's a little elevation game and then you get a nice little you know snack at the top maybe it's a banana pudding maybe it's coconut cream pie maybe it's willpower Banana pudding. Michaela would love to hear you say that. She's obsessed with that. No so way. That, she is. So that leads us to your Canadian, now born again Texan. You are here in Austin. Yep. You are building this amazing brand, Willpower. Um, what can we tell the people? What are maybe some of the challenges, the lessons learned, the insights? Like, what what can we tell people about what you're doing now today? Yeah, there's a ton. There's a ton. I'm a first time entrepreneur. I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm learning as I'm going. Um, and having the fire under my ass of like not being the corporate side. Like I went full time in March of 2023. That's this year, right? Um, it's cause I got laid off from SAP. They went through mass layoffs. So it was like, I, I, there's nothing I could get another job at SAP. I can go recruit. I'm like, I just don't want to do it. What am I going to do? So I'm just, I just execution mode. Just, all right, well, I've been working on this thing kind of, let's just bring it to the forefront and just, let's just make shit happen. And some people, most people that are familiar with willpower now also know that it was called free will before. 
Um, again, that was a big, massive, indecisive moment for me. I was like, what the fuck am I going to call this? I went through different names. I had group chats, people wrote, r- ranking things. I started with like Nectar and then I started with Appaloon because this is my favorite song at the time. And basically what an Appaloon is, it's like, it's a rocket ship in the furthest part of a lunar orbit from the moon. Um, it didn't really make any sense, but it was cool. So I was like, maybe that could be a name. I'm like, I don't know. I spent way too long <laughs> thinking of it. And then I finally just said, fuck it. Maybe something with like, my values are in freedom, right? Like basically, we, uh, that's another thing. My values are like basically ambition, drive, um, compassion and integrity and freedom. America. America. Yeah. Bold eagle, baby. Texas. Best country in the world. <laughs> Built by union men. Ooh, yeah. America. Uh, where dreams are made. You've definitely done that before. That was good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, a lot. I love I love America so much. Um, contrary to a lot of Americans, but um, so it's called free will before because I'm like, you know what? I basically free feel like a free will. I'm a I'm a William. I'm a William. But like, I want to create the, I want to create freedom for other people. I want to have freedom. I want other people to feel freedom, and that is by like by factor of like giving them the free will to do what they fucking want. Right, so it's like, no, no, this isn't what someone else wants to do. It's like you're free will, and it's like you fucking do it. Um, and I thought that was a cool name, and I said I just stuck with it. I went, I went, and the funny part of that is, I was just so like relieved that I finally found a name. I was like, oh, I can finally go do stuff. And then I, I'm doing my pre-launch party, which is like the day I got laid off. I had, I was, it was the day I got the news that laid off to where I, the day I got laid off it was like three, four weeks, and I put a date on the calendar. And I was like, I'm having a party. It's in the middle of South by Southwest. We have no idea how this is going to work out. Um, let's just go. We got everything involved. And the people that made that happen was so fucking, it was amazing. Like finding, like just people are just excited to be a part of it. And they, they want to support. And it was just, I was, I was overwhelmed with the amount of support and how amazing people are in Austin and the community that we had. Like I, I, I just put it down the calendar, got things done, but like everyone else, like it wasn't a bill thing. It was like everyone kind of came together to help out. It was amazing. And it just like, I felt, I felt so fulfilled. I'm like, I am doing the right thing. It could be the wrong way, <laughs> but I know it's the right thing at the right time. And the funny part of that is like, I was like ready to go. I had my brand like, all right, I'm, I'm canning, like I'm literally canning it in my apartment. I, I'm making it, I'm getting ingredients sent to me, I'm putting in a keg, I'm carbonating it, shaking it, and I pour in the can, and I can it, and then I label the can, and sometimes I do in different orders, depending on the situ- how I'm feeling that day, and it got to the point where um, like I was actually canning it at the event itself for other people to see I don't know if you remember that no but we had like all empty cans I had my keg there and I was like hey guys do you want to see how you can a free will and I would just can it and be like what you can do that I'm like yeah it's actually not that hard <laughs> you just, just put it in a can and you can it like that's that's what you do um, and I've been I've been doing that for like nine months now but the couple learn I had like two key learnings of that whole entire process um, like from failures essentially the first one was no one cares about your business as much as you do like that's a dead giveaway. You can't expect people to love your, sh- like, oh, they'll do everything. Like, I'll do everything for someone else. So, like, if I'm, like, if I'm working with you, I'm like, yeah, you, you got me. Sometimes people are like, okay, this is, this is literally nothing for me. We make millions of dollars and you're paying us 50. Like, we don't care about you, right? Mm-hmm. So, I was supposed to have, like, cans ready to go by, like, like, digitally printed cans. Like, this is a digitally printed can. Right now, I'm labeling them because I was supposed to have these delivered free will in March. 
um, like a week before the event. So I didn't have the fucking label. I'm like, I can fill them. And then I would follow up and call and be like, hey, guys, like, let's, let's, let's get the, the invoice going, the contract, all that kind of stuff. And like, oh, no, we're on vacation. Or don't worry, we can overnight ship it and all that kind of stuff. And I remember like, guys, it's Friday. My event's on Wednesday. Where are my goddamn cans? Like, I need them. They're like, oh, we'll, we'll overnight them on Monday. Okay, Monday comes out. Guess what happens? Oh, production error. Oh, we can't, we can't actually produce them until Wednesday. Like my event's on Wednesday. My event is on Wednesday. I need the like I need the cans, and I'm like I'm the most frustrated I've probably been in years, years. I like out of everything that's happened, like some like family like little arguments or like things in the field. That was the most angry I've been. I was like, my event's on Wednesday. I reached out to you guys two months prior. We have everything lined up. Everything's approved, and they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like Wednesday, uh, we'll we'll have it like we'll have it ready to go. Um, okay, well then, can you ship it? the same day so I can get at least an hour, two hours before the event. I can make it work. They're like, no, 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 we can't like same day ship it. Like it takes it overnight. Um, but you can come pick it up if you want. I'm like, you're in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> like, wait, what do you mean? Pick it up. Like you, like my events at five 30 on a Wednesday, you want me to drive 13 hours at 12 PM when it's ready. It doesn't like, I just, I got furious, but that was a that was a learning of just like all right, no one cares about your business as much as you do. Incredible due diligence and like over, being over prepared for things like that. Um, because what happened for me was like I had the I was like, I have an event on Wednesday and the biggest thing is the fact that I'm launching a can. I don't have any cans. What do I do? I called around, asked some people to help me out. I like a local canning guy like saved my ass and gave me like 200 cans, just blank cans. And then I went to a printing shop and said, hey, here's the design. Can you print this off? I got Lowe's labels came in. I ordered them Monday. I got the cans Tuesday. The labels came in Wednesday. So I'm literally, we have a team of like, we have people that are just there at the Savian Center helping out, just labeling the cans. So I'm like, I didn't get the, the labels until 12 o'clock. The party's at five. So we're just like, we have groups just like labeling cans. Some of them are on because they're sticky and all that kind of stuff. But it was just like, I, I was so excited about that. I was just excited to be like, I'll figure it out. Mm. Fuck this. I hate this. I'm mad. I'm furious. I'm going to figure it out. And I was like, okay, I like this. This is cool. I want to roll the punches. <laughs> the second thing is, as I was driving uh, to pick up the cans on the way, it was like the Tuesday. It was a Tuesday or something like that. I got um, a season desist letter. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck me. And it was actually an athletic brewing company. And I was like, oh. I'm not really worried about that um, because I was worried about this brewery, another brewery in Pennsylvania called Free Will Brewing Company. And I remember I talked to a lawyer, like a Fiverr guy or something like that. Some guy that wasn't necessarily like an official legal. He's like, oh, dude, you're fine. It's a different category. It's beer. This is spirits because it gets really granular in the alcohol market. It's like, this is spirits. This is wine. This is this is distilled liquor or it's distilled spirits. And I was like, okay, I'm probably fine. Let's just go and whatever. And then, so I go, oh, fuck, like, this is, this is, this is going to fuck me. Uh, and it's like, oh, no, it's just Athletic Brewing Company. And they're like, oh, yeah, like, you can't use, like, socialize without compromise because they trademark no compromise or without or with no compromise. And I was like, oh, well, I just put together a quick landing page and put some verbiage on there. I'm not really committed to it. So that was pretty easy. But basically, I was like, I got me worried about free will. Mm-hmm. And I started, like, I talked to a lawyer and I was, they're like, yeah, dude, you're gonna get fucked. I'm like, fuck, really? So I didn't get a season assist from them, but I was like, I should probably proactively reach out 
and like try to figure something else so I don't get fucked later when I actually am successful. And then they come after me for money because I don't have any money. They don't have any money. So I've been, I basically embarked on a three month journey to try to get in touch with all the owners of Free Will Brewing Company and just be like, hey guys, I'm a nice Canadian guy. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Canadian trying to take a Mexican product and sell it in the US. Like, can you just, I, I, I want to build the community. I want to, like, category expansion is important. I want everyone to get along. I'm a partnerships guy. Like, I'll help you guys out, right? We can do some cool collaborations together. I just want everyone to be happy, kind of thing. Um, and I just like back and back and back and forth and I finally got on the phone with them and they basically said, yeah, seven years ago, um, we actually had a big problem, um, where a brewery started after us and named themselves Free Will Brewing Company, but they submitted the trademark before us because we didn't have a trademark. We just did it. So they had to go through a whole legal battle of like, and then they spent thousands and thousands of dollars to fight, like go through that battle, get the trademark back. So they're incredibly emotionally tied to it. Um, so they said, like, dude, we're just not just going to give it to you for free. We're not just going to do it. We're too emotionally invested in, into this and scarred. So coming back to the learning, which was I spent three months on pause from putting any investment into my brand, marketing-wise, events-wise, because I was like, ah, one more week. One more week I'll get one more week I'll get the, the approval and then I can really commit to it because I don't want to go spend like $5,000 on a bunch of merch and marketing, branding, partnerships only to have to change it right away. So I put everything on pause because I am Bill Murphy. I have an ego and I want to fucking prove to everyone and myself that I can convince them sales-wise, sales put my sales fucking persuasion hat on. I'm like, I can convince them. Purely ego, purely emotionally tied to like free will, like just make a good business decision, be decision decisive, and move the fuck on, and get your fucking your trademarks. That was a massive learning. It took me three months. I lost a lot of momentum, and I just felt, I felt so excited from that launch party, man. I've never felt that that in my entire life. Like people there, we had two hundred. Like I was expecting to have eighty people. We had two hundred and twenty people there. Everyone was like listening to me chat about my brand that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about my path. And I was like, I've never felt that excitement and like just dopamine rush in my entire life. And I loved it. And then like a month later, it just dropped because I couldn't I couldn't keep going. I was like, I'm in. I don't work for a corporate job anymore. Let's go. And then and then I had to put the brakes on because of this fucking trademark stuff. So then I was basically pumping the brakes for three months. I'm like, ah, just wait, just wait. And as soon as I said, fuck it, you know what? I can't do it. There's no point in trying to convince them. I was debating flying down, surprising them, bring like a big care package, have like this crazy proposal meeting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was like, it's, I talked to a bunch of folks. Um, it just wasn't worth it. And I changed, I figured out willpower, did some, just changed some logo, uh, the, the text. And then I put the fucking gas on and it was amazing. But it was a learning of check your ego at the door and don't get emotionally tied into certain things because they're not good business decisions and be decisive about it. That was a really, really big learning and I need to take that with the rest of my business as we grow willpower and everything else. It's tough though, man, because oftentimes I think you hit the nail on the head of the ego issues and how emotionally attached we are to our businesses. Mm -hmm. And like when things don't go wrong, we take it personal. And it's really, I think a really good reminder for anyone is like, you are not your business. Mm. 
right? I think that so often we associate those as the same things when we go through the ups and downs as if like somehow that's a representation of you, but you are separate of your business. Yeah. You can love it, but it's not you as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a round of rapid fire questions for you. Sure. You ready? Yep. So whatever the first thing is that comes to mind. First question, what's your best business advice? Um, at this point is to go all in. Best marketing advice? Partnerships. Favorite part about entrepreneurship? Freedom. I knew you were going to say that. When are you the <laughs> freedom most... Freedom and freedom. America, America baby. America. America. <laughs> when are you the most productive? Um, time of day. Morning. Uh, or in general. Yeah, it's, yeah, time of day. Uh, yeah, I would say, I don't know, in the evening. When he says, I'm going to grind. I'm going to grind. Who is your inspiration? Um, yeah. The Ursel brothers, Jordan and uh, Great Ursel for sure. Tell me one secret or something just most people don't know about you. Mm. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, um, most people don't know. I don't fucking know. I'm pretty open. I'm pretty open book. Oh, do you know anything that? Has- uh, this might this might shine something for you. I went back to your little very no. first posts. Oh no. And it was a picture of Peyton Manning and your guitar. <laughs> oh my god. Do those mean anything to you? Um <laughs> yeah. I'm a Colts fan. Because right. I'm a Colts fan because they were I was just getting the football and they were running they were they were playing in the Super Bowl or they were working to play in the Super Bowl and they won the Super Bowl that day that that season against the bears and i was like i'm all in on this fucking this team i was just starting to watch uh i was like i want the underdog to win and i was like these guys are great and that's what it was but i think one thing is um that's just coming up to light a little bit right now in austin is i play the saxophone that is a good one that's kind of where i was going with that one uh, <laughs> what, what would you change about yourself um uh decisiveness What's your favorite app or resource that you're using right now? There's so many, there's so many good ones. Um, it's got to be. I think the the easy cop out is Spotify. It's my favorite app in the entire world. But Bands in Town. What? Bands in Town. What is that? It's it's an app, and what it does is it tells you the bands that are in town. Oh. So literally, if you want to, like, I go on, I'm like, all right, I want to go see a concert next two weeks. I'll go in and say, okay, I'm in Austin. I want to filter Spotify by. Spotify like, kind of do that now? They, no. Oh, okay. They have, like, concerts here, but, like, you can say, like, all right, here's all the venues, all the artists, and you can rank it by RSVPs. Hmm. So it's, like, here are the more popular ones. So, like, I'll just go on Bands in Town. If I want to go out for, with friends or on a date or something like that, I just go, boom, okay, there's a concert. It's the best fucking app. It's I've seen November of last year. Actually, this is... I'm gonna have to do this tonight. November last year, I went to like maybe eight shows in like 16 days because there were all these awesome little bands that would just be like, "Oh, who's playing? That man looks okay." Shit, let's go. Fifteen dollar tickets, best app, hands down. Cool, I like that one. When were you the happiest? Mm, now, yeah. what's your favorite part about Austin? And you can't say the people. Um, play, play, explain, um, being able to play sports all the time. And it kind of goes out of the community and people, but there's unlimited opportunities to participate in sports and activities. And 
God damn it, it just gets endorphins going. Did you start that volleyball chat? Were you the start of that? The don't go chasing volleyballs? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Because that, I mean, I feel like that's you to a T is the community building and the sports. And like, mm-hmm. that's a, that's of honestly, like, that's probably the only group chat in all of my social media platforms that I'm actually like, I follow and pay attention. Oh, to. really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate group. Does anybody like group chats? That's like probably no. the only one where it's always just good stuff. It's like, oh, we're going to do the turkey trot or we're, whatever it is. It's like good stuff. We're playing volleyball on Saturday night. Are you looking for something to do? Let's yeah, go. yeah, yeah. That's probably, the, that's literally the only one I follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I want to acknowledge you, Bill Murphy, for a lot of things. Okay. For being a very good, high-energy guy that makes people feel good about themselves. For deciding to come to America and... America! Freedom! Chase your dreams and pursue your actual passions and interests in this world. For being a very genuine person that I feel like mm. can talk about anything. You are totally a people person and that resonates very mm. deeply and for showing up today to talk the shop and to tell us what you're doing and for giving us some good insights. So I appreciate that, man. Thanks really. I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Uh, I have one last question before I ask that question though. What's your plug? Where can people find you? Um, yeah. Instagram. So drink willpower underscore. Damn it. But we got the underscore there. Uh, willpower, drinkwillpower.com, and then just honestly, my my Instagram personal, Bill Murphy21. Cool. We'll put that in show notes. Last question. It's really whatever your best piece of advice is. So if you were to go back to ground zero and you were to talk to yourself or anybody else in a similar circumstance of wanting to start their own business or wanting to even start specifically a spirits, mezcal, consumer based product, what's maybe the best piece of advice you would give to yourself or somebody else in that circumstance? To start a CBG brand? Mm hmm. Um, don't do it for the money. <laughs> um, there's a lot of like initial costs that are required to get into it. So it's not just like you, here's an idea. You can raise $30 million and get it going, hire a team. There's a lot of infrastructure the inventory, um, and fixed costs that you need to put into it. But I would say is like one thing that really, really helped me, um, is finding a community, right? It all comes down to the community, but, and it might sound like a, bro- a broken record, but when I first moved to Austin, I I moved to Austin for the entrepreneurship, like the culture. What I didn't know and found out later is that it's the consumer packaged goods hub for North America, maybe even the world. I don't know. That changed, like that was, it, like that was, it blew my mind. And there's all these different consumer packaged goods meetups. So I, I mean, I started getting to that, but there's this guy, Mark Nathan, Super Connector in Austin, and he hosts for six years, has hosted a mornings consumer packaged goods meetup uh thursday mornings uh, the, the fourth thursday of every month and it's just getting the consumer packaged goods community together and i was still working at sap and i was like i'm kind of curious about this and i just met so many cool brands operators designers strategists financiers everyone that played a part in the consumer packaged goods world I could just talk to, learn from, like, man, the alcohol regulations, fuck, man. Like, I met, like, a bunch of different alcohol brands that can riff off, like, how did you work through the TTB on this? Like, do you have a warehouse? Who are you using for your lawyer? All that kind of stuff. It's by being in a cave in a 300-square-foot apartment in Toronto, doing all of that virtually is such a pain in the ass. And by being plugged into a community, meeting all these people, it, like, your opportunity exponentially grows. So the advice would be find a community, build a network in the CBG space. 
I feel like I'm going to title this show Swimming Downstream. William Patrick Murphy III, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, brother. Hey, friend, thanks for listening to the show. And if you have any feedback for me about the show or any other guests that you'd want to see in the show, definitely shoot me a message. I love engaging with my audience and figuring out how I can provide the best value possible to the people listening to this show. Before you go, I only have one ask of you, and that would be to check out my three tips Tuesday newsletter. It's three marketing tips every Tuesday specifically for the health and fitness entrepreneur to help them attract new leads. If you press the link in the description, it'll take you directly to the archive of all my previous newsletters, and you can decide for yourself if it's something for you. If you end up finding it helpful, you can just sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your inbox every Tuesday. Thanks again and keep hustling my friends.